Welcome to Agility 2020 podcast. This is your host Rohit, a scrum master based in London. Welcome everyone in today's podcast with Alkesh Shah who has over 12 years experience in the agile world as scrum master, product owner, agile coach and enterprise agile coach. Hello Alkesh, how are you doing? Hi, good. Good, thank you, right? Good to meet you and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Well, thank you. So, listeners, today Alkesh will be talking about servant leadership. So, Alkesh, we hear the term servant leader branded around in agile communities. What do you think it is and why are we considering it now? Well, what exactly is servant leader? Hmm. Uh well, Robert Greenleaf in his seminal book The Power of Servant Leadership details around 10 characteristics of a servant leader that if practiced with passion would lead to a greater collaborative less stressful and more rewarding workplace that drives innovation why now well management has changed over the past 100 years from the tailorist scientific management where command and control was the primary way that people were managed through to today's more leading style where people want to follow great leaders There remains pockets of command and control often disguised as micromanagement where trust is really low or in a high pressured environment where managers usually revert to type and fall back into this command and control So is it a new way to manage people Not exactly a significant step forward from the, the empowerment drives of the 1990s has been that of being a servant before a leader In fact Greenleaf says The servant leader is a servant first. It begins with a natural feeling that one wants to serve and to serve first. Then conscious choice brings one to aspire to lead. That person is sharply different from one who wants to lead first. Being a servant first to the people that follow you, right? That sounds like a modern concept. Ah, well, Greenleaf's work maybe from 1977 the concept of servant leader is many centuries old lao cha that can never say his word name properly l a o t z u is from the 6th century bc he's a founder of the taoist movement and is accredited with today's movement to minimal governance self-managed teams who have the power to themselves to succeed he was a servant to the people he removed obstacles yet did not control or manage the people to do any any of the work in those days people lived safe and comfortable lives ready to give their lives to an emperor who was not seen or heard from yet was able to command such a loyal following ah i see so it's been around in one shape or form for many centuries right but why now in agile well today we know that we can get much better quality products and services from dedicated driven people who believe passionately in what they do through unlocking the individual's autonomy mastery and purpose that's the three things that motivate cognitive people as per dan pink's book drive we know we can engender innovative mindsets and advance the organization from within ah a culture of self-managed self-organized teams Yes, leaders lead by example and create a culture of expected behaviors. Some take a pathological cultural approach that is power oriented, and this leads to a shirked responsibility, low cooperation, discouraged collaboration, and even a fear and blame environment. 
Others take a bureaucratic cultural approach, which is rule-oriented. However, this too only gives modest cooperation. Narrows responsibilities, innovation is stifled still, and this leads to problems, and failure is still not tolerated. The ideal position of culture is one of a generative one, which is performance-oriented. This will yield high cooperation, shared responsibility, encourage collaboration with an experimental mindset so failure becomes a learning opportunity and innovation is encouraged. So what attributes does a servant leader possess then? What do they do? Ah, that's fairly simple. Servant leaders, they focus on needs of others, especially team members, before they consider their own needs. They acknowledge other people's perspectives. They give them the support they need to meet their work and personal goals. They involve them in decision-making wherever appropriate, and they build a sense of community within their team. All this leads to higher engagement, more trust, and a stronger relationship with the team members and other stakeholders that increases innovation. So Alkesh, you mentioned 10 characteristics of a servant leader. Can you talk us through those, please? Sure, the 10 characteristics that a good servant leader should practice from Greenleaf's book are used to create this generative culture and gain a loyal following, just like the Taoists. First one is listening. Possibly the most important characteristic is to listen. While we do listen to what is being said, do we really listen to what is being said or even what is not being said? Tara Brock in a podcast, The Sacred Art of Listening, details that there are three levels of listening. Most of us live at level one. That is to say, we listen and wait to interrupt the speaker with our own view of what was said, how it resonated with us, how it becomes about us and no longer about the speaker. This is the me, me, me syndrome, and sadly very common. The second level is where we truly begin to listen and drown out our inner voice, as well as any other distractions. We pay full attention to the speaker and understand where they're coming from. The third level is hard to attain, but well worth working towards. Here, we allow the distractions and noises to come back in, but still listen attentively to the speaker. Taking note of body language can help with what is not being said too. Above all, avoid interrupting them. Let them finish speaking and give them some feedback on what it is that they've said and affirm what what you've listened to and understood. Remember, only 7% of understanding comes from the words used. 38% from how they say it. That's the attenuation, the inflections that add to the meaning. But a staggering 55% comes from what you see. That's the facial expressions, body language, mannerisms. Just listen out for what they don't say and that helps you empathize with them easily. That actually leads us on to empathy. That's the second characteristic, which is not just seeing through the eyes of another, hearing through the ears of another, and feeling through the heart of another. Nor is it just about being in another's shoes. It's actually about walking a mile in the other's shoes. Understanding and valuing others' intentions and perspectives is key to gaining their trust and following. Such understanding of perspectives leads us to the third characteristic, that of healing. In The Power of Servant Leadership, Greenleaf writes, There's something subtle communicated to one who is being served and led, 
if implicit in the com compact between servant leader and led, is the understanding that the search for wholeness is something that they have. In other words, the servant leader can help people find themselves and be themselves. Great. Can you explain healing a bit more, please? Sure. One of the great strengths of servant leadership is the potential for healing themselves and others. Our organizations all speak of inclusion and diversity. Think about psychological safety. If someone hides a personal situation, such as a sexual preference or a hidden illness, that makes them different, then due to embarrassment or worry of ridicule, they will appear untrustworthy or isolated in the team. And this will inflict far-reaching damage on the entire team. Be inclusive and supportive of all and allow all to bring their whole self to work. I fully agree, actually. Yeah. What characteristic is next? Well, healing leads to the fourth characteristic of awareness, which, which is the ability to look at oneself and think deeply about the emotions and behaviors. Consider how they affect other people around us and align with our values. Using emotional intelligence, we can start by becoming self-aware. That's self-aware of our own abilities and actions. Once we recognize how they manifest, we can then self-regulate them to control the impact on others. Once we have them in check, we can then look to socially connect with others and consider their levels of emotional intelligence and relate with them where possible. So why would we do that? This will strengthen relationships. Knowing one's strengths and weaknesses and asking for others, other people's feedback on them can be a scary exercise, but well worth it. We often portray a persona that we think others see, yet actually they see a lot more and sometimes personality traits that we don't even recognize in ourselves. I'm saying learn to understand yourself first and how others view you and adjust the way that you communicate with them now that you have that insider knowledge. Great. Okay, so we on to our next characteristic. So I think it's the fifth one. Yes, the fifth one is persuasion. Servant leaders use persuasion rather than their leadership badge of authority to encourage other people to take action. They aim to build consensus in groups so that everyone supports the decision. The effective servant leader builds group consensus through gentle but clear and persistent persuasion and does not exert group compliance through the position of power. Galvanize the teams into agreement and contribute towards a decision. A great quote actually uh, right, from Martin Luther, Luther King Jr. He says, a Jonian leader is not a searcher of consensus, but a molder of consensus. That's the key, mold the consensus from within the team's engagement. Don't just look for an agreement. You actually read that. It's quite, I quite like the core. It conjures up an image of self-managed, self-organized teams that agree collectively. That's, that's brilliant. Yeah. So what's next, Alkesh? Well, on the same thread, the next characteristic is seeking to nurture the team's abilities to dream great dreams. The ability to look at a problem or an organization from a conceptualizing perspective means that we must think beyond the day-to-day -day realities. The sixth characteristic then is conceptualization. 
but this holds a cautionary note. While the servant leader must think holistically with a clear vision of the future, they must also seek a delicate balance between conceptualization and the day-to-day focus. After all, we still have to keep the lights on, right? This leads to characteristic seven, foresight. The ability to predict what's likely to happen in the future by learning from the past experiences, identifying what is happening now. Another great strength of a servant leader is to learn to trust their own intuition. Listen to their instincts. If it's telling them something is not right, it probably is not. Having this level of understanding will help your gut feel be correct. Learn to trust it. Nice. So being self-aware must help with that, isn't it? Indeed, yes. The organization will have corporate social responsibility. This actually is the eighth characteristic, stewardship. It's about taking responsibility and being accountable for the role team members play. Lead by example, by demonstrating the values and behaviors that seven leaders would want to see in others. So is it about developing others to be seven leaders as well? Yes, commitment to growth is actually the ninth characteristic. Servant leaders believe that people have an intrinsic value beyond their tangible contributions to work. As such, they're committed to the personal and professional development of everyone on their team. In fact, servant leaders are deeply committed to a personal, professional and spiritual growth of each and every individual within their organization, not just their team. And how do you see that manifest? Through building communities. Actually, again, that's the 10th characteristic, um, providing opportunities for people to interact with one another across the company. Organizing social events, such as designing workspaces to encouraging people to chat informally away from their desks. Communities of practice are a great way to achieve this. And Seven Leaders should create a self-managed way for teams to run these with guest speakers, time, space, and facilities provided. That is great, Alkesh, to listen all the characteristics. A- any more comments regarding on the 10 char- characteristics we discussed? Yeah, through practicing all 10, servant leaders will engender the right mindset and behaviors for a psychologically safe space for teams to innovate, be high-performing, and be interdependent, that is, that they understand how they can achieve great things collectively as a team. So if I were to adopt these characteristics, what exactly should I do? Start by valuing diverse opinions. A servant leader values everyone's contributions and regularly seeks out opinions from a wide range of diverse people. So you're saying the servant leader recognizes the value that others bring to solving the problem, right? Yes. And that brings us to trust. A healthy culture encourages open, robust debate. It allows for alternative opinions, allows everyone to have a say. True trust is the hardest value to establish. It takes years to build, seconds to break, and a lifetime to repair. I totally agree on that, the last bit. It takes a year to build. Yes. Yeah. So what else can I practice or someone who's listening, our audience, our listeners can practice? Well, you can practice by developing other leaders. A servant leader empowers others, encourages others, 
in their learning, developing and becoming leaders. In fact, again, in 2002, Greenleaf said, do those served grow as persons? Do they, while being served, become healthier, wiser, freer and even more autonomous and more likely to become servants? That leads us to another practice, actually. You could do helping people with their life issues. This implies trust, respect and a professional association as the servant leader truly cares about those, that those in their organisation. Another practice is encouragement. A true servant leader says, let's go do it, not you go do it, as a team player, not a boss of sorts. I like that. As agile coaches, we support and help all as we are in this together, isn't it? Yes. And practicing sell instead of tell will shift you away from that authoritarian style to a participatory one. Persuasive leaders understand that the why is more important than the what and the how. Think of Peter Senge's work. Start with the why. Once they understand that, they will follow. Okay, what else? I'm quite intrigued to listen more on this, yeah. Well, you can also practice thinking of you, not me. That is, servant leaders who focus on others are all about empowerment. Remember to listen to what is being said and not said. Empathize and care about the opinions and needs of others. To be honest, that's a sign of a great leader. Right. You mentioned conceptualization and foresight. Can you talk about practices in those, please? Uh, yes, that's long-term thinking. So a servant leader is thinking about the next generation, the next leader, the next opportunity. Remember dreaming dreams and encouraging others to do the same while keeping one foot firmly on the ground. Brilliant. Anything else would you like to share with the listeners today? Yes, probably one of the most valuable practices is humility. It's a recognition of your own capabilities and the needs of others. With humility, you understand that you are just a small part in something much bigger. It's okay not to have all the answers. A shared vision is sufficient. Let the experts in the team help you to get to the right solution. I love a quote from C.S. Lewis um, on humility. This is so apt for servant leaders. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. That's a great one to practice, actually. Engender trust, foster innovation, and cultivate experts with diverse opinions, as well as empathize and support with individuals. This is all you need to be a great leader. Just like Lao Chu says, right? Like you mentioned earlier in the podcast. Yes, I'm glad you can't say his name properly either. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that either. <laughs> <laughs> properly, yeah. yeah. Yes. Cool. Cool. So thank you, Arkesh, for sharing what someone leader means and how we can practice it today. So folks, that's it from today's podcast. Uh, stay tuned for the next one. Thank you very much. Thanks, Arkesh. Thanks for joining. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on someone leadership today. You are. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. That was it for today. Stay tuned for our next episode. Till then, stay safe. Take care. Bye, everyone.